Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope you can spend all of it, all two hours. And if you do miss any of it, you know you can always head over to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the podcast, and you can enjoy the show whenever you like. And I hope you enjoy it because I think about it a lot and I always wonder, what is it you want to learn about? What what do you want to, how do you want to grow in your faith and your understanding of what's going on in the world? Tuesdays, I always take uh, 30 minutes to talk to either Doug Blair or Rob Louie at the Daily Signal, find out what's going on in our nation's capital. My Washington, D.C. correspondent. I don't follow the news as closely as I once did, but I always hope uh, Doug and Rob will be bringing a fair and balanced uh, perspective to what's going on. They are from the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative think tank, so always glad to have that perspective as well. Uh, Doug, welcome. Hey, Bill, thanks so much for those wise and, and kind words. Well, I do. I, I don't watch uh, as much news as, as as I used to, and I know you guys are completely consumed with what's going on in our nation's capital and what's going on politically and culturally. So I do appreciate uh, your bright perspective, and Rob as well. Excellent. Well, I'm always happy to talk, and uh, where do you want to start? Well, it's a million-dollar question because uh, – there's so much going on. I don't know what's the hottest topic on your desk right now. Maybe I will defer to you. Sure. So one of the things that I think has been very fascinating is we still have ongoing protests and demonstrations surrounding the decision last month that the Supreme Court took to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, we are still seeing marches in the streets. We are still seeing people in front of justices' homes. Uh, there's actually a new development, a local uh, group called, I believe it's called Shut Down DC or Rise Up DC. They've actually started to put out cash bounties. If you are a service worker in the district and you spot one of the conservative justices who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade and you send that information to this group, they mm. will pay you $50 if they can confirm that he was he or she was there uh, and $300 if they're still there 30 minutes later when protesters show up. Wow. <laughs> so that's pretty aggressive. Yes, um, it's, it's very aggressive, and it's, it's sort of a new development uh, that we've seen in the ongoing campaign of these protesters to sort of pressure the either the administration or the justices to do something to bring Roe back or to codify abortion law at the federal level. Um, there was also a march last Saturday uh, in the district by Women's March. This is the group back in 2016 that protested the inauguration of then-President Donald Trump. Uh, they did a march of about 1,000 people. They went from a local park all the way over to the White House. They tied themselves to the fence, uh, and I was there to cover it. And one of the things that I saw that was very disturbing was a young girl, probably about in her mid-20s, maybe early 20s, who got up in front of a pro-life demonstrator and started yelling and screaming, we love killing babies over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And that's sort of what we're dealing with right here. Mm -hmm. Doug, maybe you can explain this, because we hear this over and over, that the uh, Supreme Court uh, ruled uh, 
that they took away a constitutional right. And did we understand that to be true? Was it a constitutional right that women could have in an abortion? So the way that Roe v. Wade basically uh, gave a right, and I, I, it's funny you mention that because I actually I do not use the term abortion rights in my writing because the Constitution, especially as explained by the Supreme Court justices recently in this Dobbs decision, does not confer the right to an abortion in its, in its things. The way that Roe worked was it gave you a right to privacy, which was construed as the decision to have an abortion was between a woman and her doctor. Therefore, you were able to extrapolate by saying, well, if your privacy is being infringed by, by banning abortion, that's what the issue is. So it was a, it was a very twisted logic surrounding uh, the 14th Amendment and basically certain personhood rights that I think are very complicated. But the idea being that it wasn't enumerated specifically in the Constitution, but it was extrapolated for that. So when, when protesters say uh, our rights to an abortion have been taken away, no, what is now happening is the, the question of abortion, the legality of abortion is given back to the American people to decide both at the state level with their legislatures or if this issue becomes uh, a big enough deal and people start to say this needs to be handled at a federal level, it will be handled by the representatives of the people in Congress and in the Senate. So, uh, no, this isn't a constitutional issue. It's a legal issue that is now given back to the American people. Thank you for saying that, making that more clear for us. Uh, Doug Blair is my guest. If you have a question about what's going on in uh, the nation's capital, maybe there's a news story you're wanting to hear more about, I I almost guarantee Doug would have uh, a take on it. So you can text your question over to 877-933- Two four eight four again eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four Doug I find this whole Elon Musk and Twitter thing fascinating um, so you know <laughs> they were they were against him buying it now they want to force him to buy it and the fact that he might take it to court and have uh, Twitter Twitter exposed in court which might give him a significantly better negotiating deal. Oh, Bill, I mean, this entire thing is just a mess. So, I mean, the, 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 you're right that originally this was a, you know, Elon Musk supposed he would buy Twitter, right? He put up the, the, the question on the website and said, what would you think if, if I was to buy Twitter? And the, the general population on the site was very supportive of it. They thought he would be able to move in a positive direction, whereas the board of directors was very on edge. And a lot of journalists in D.C. and New York were also on edge, and they thought that he was going to bring uh, the scourge of free speech for the phrase I read over and over and over again in a lot of these outlets. But now it seems that the tables have turned and everything has flipped where Elon Musk is now maybe backing off of wanting to buy Twitter. His concern is that Twitter either lied or misrepresented the number of fake accounts that spam and bot accounts, the, the not real users that are on the site, whereas Twitter is trying to argue no uh, we accurately represented how many users were real and how many users were fake on the website, uh, and it's under 5%. Elon Musk doesn't believe this, so he's basically trying to either back out of the deal and say that Twitter lied and misrepresented themselves, therefore he's not bound to actually obey the contract and buy the company, uh, or – I think that what might be likely happening here, too, is that Elon Musk is just trying to reduce the price. He mm-hmm. did offer quite a bit of money to buy Twitter over market value. This might just be a play to get the value that he has to pay for the, the website down. Mm-hmm. Doug, I saw some pretty spectacular uh, pictures with this uh, space telescope. I would love for you to share what you know. 
Absolutely. So these pictures are absolutely beautiful. And it is, Bill, I think one of the nicest things, too, is that we can have a conversation that's like non-political. Everybody can agree, looking at these photos, that they're beautiful, right? You look out into space and you see the great wide unknown. Uh, if you're a believer, you obviously see the greatness of God and his creation and these sort of glorious stars that light up the night sky. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating, too, because this is one of the deepest, darkest penetrations that we've ever seen of space. I, I, this telescope, the James Webb telescope, um, is, is one of these things that sort of has been years in the making. Originally, it was supposed to be finished in 2007 or around 2011. It had been delayed over and over and over. It had gone through costs. You know how the government is. Uh, but basically, now we are getting the results of all of this uh, work. And I think that as many people who have seen these photos can agree, they're quite spectacular. Mm-hmm. They, they are absolutely mind-boggling. They are so fun to look at and very exciting. And if you haven't seen some of these pictures, go online and look. They are they are great. All right. Uh, here's a question. Uh, Doug, can you speak to the Convention of States movement? Yes, I, uh, that's a fascinating question. I'm really glad that this listener asked it. The Convention of States movement is surrounding this idea that the federal government is in a bit of gridlock. And so one of the ways that the founders envisioned things happening in the country as well was if all the states were on board, right? The idea behind the Senate is that states should have power, not just people, right? So the, the House represents the people, the Senate represents the states. Well, if enough states are able to get together and to make these types of decisions, they are actually able to legally change the Constitution. Uh, Normally, there are very complicated government processes at the federal level to amend the Constitution, but if enough states get together to do so, they are also able to make changes to the Constitution. So there are a bevy of different issues that a lot of states are going to come together and maybe agree on. Abortion is one of them. Gun rights are another one. Citizenship and immigration are these other issues that people will come together and discuss. Now, the question is whether or not enough states would be able to join on board to get things done. And that is actually the biggest problem here, because in the past, there were certain issues that enough states would be able to find at least some common ground that a a tipping point of states, a majority of states would be able to come together to make these grand sweeping decisions. Now in our country that's so polarized, it's very difficult for blue states and for red states to find any semblance of common ground for them to be uh, able to make these sweeping decisions. But I really do hope that we start to get in that direction because, you know, I I think it sort of represents what the founders envisioned, that the states would be able to sort Mm -hmm. of choose their own destinies. Yeah. Doug Blair is my guest. Another question here for you, Doug. Can Doug explain how the president was able to complete the oil reserve to China without Congress being involved. I don't understand the process. Thank you. That's an excellent question as well. So we at the Heritage Foundation sort of watched in abject horror as the Biden administration successfully completed a sale to the Chinese of oil from the strategic reserves, right? As we are all very aware, uh, as we're driving our way down the highway and as we're trying to use Uh, our cars to get to our jobs, possibly, there is this massive sale of oil to China. And one of the things that's so bizarre about it, too, is that, yes, you're right, it should be going through Congress. This is a massive deal uh, that you need to be providing Congress with a, a heads up that you're going to be making these types of sales. We're actually doing research on this to make sure that everything was on the up and up. There are a lot of executive agency loopholes. Um, one of the things that we're starting to see as a result of the legislature sort of handing over a lot of power to the presidency is there are lots of different ways that they're able to sort of technically get through the law to sort of say, yeah, we were in compliance with 
these provisions and with these measures, but it's not in the spirit of the Constitution or of the law. So we're doing a lot of research here at the Heritage Foundation at the Daily Signal to make sure that everything was on the up and up, but we will definitely keep you posted. I'm very glad that that listener is paying attention. Oh, yeah. I've got very smart listeners that have very smart <laughs> questions, Douglas Blair. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more questions for Doug. If you have one, you can send it over. Send via text 877-933-2484. Doug Blair is the news producer for The Daily Signal. He's also the co-host of The Daily Signal podcast. You can learn more about him and see his good-looking picture at dailysignal.com. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Douglas Blair is my guest. He is uh, an author at The Daily Signal. Also, he is a co-host of The Daily Signal podcast. And as we talk about whatever's going on in Washington, D.C., there's always that risk that there's going to be uh, leanings towards something conservative, leanings towards something liberal, perhaps. So we just know that there are devoted followers of Christ on both sides of the aisle. And we just trust that as we take these questions that come in, you will... Uh, be as grace-filled as possible as we try to uh, dissect some of these questions uh, from listeners. So here's one, uh, Doug. Uh, Are we ever going to hear who leaked the Supreme Court paperwork? Is this a right for the U.S. citizens to know? It raises a question about the security in our system. Absolutely phenomenal question, because we were actually just talking about this at a company lunch today. Uh, we asked the question sort of, hey, whatever happened to that discussion about the, the who leaked the dot decision? Uh, currently, it sounds like there's two possibilities. Most likely, this was somebody from uh, the more liberal side of the spectrum um, on the court. The going theory is that they were hoping that by revealing this information that they would be able to move one of the conservative justices into uh, the, the camp to, to maintain Roe versus Wade. Obviously, this is still speculation at this point, but that seems to be where the evidence is pointing. So it either could have been possibly a uh, clerk for Justice Sotomayor or a clerk for Justice Breyer. Um, now, what is happening right now is Chief Justice John Roberts is launching an, or is mounting an investigation into, uh, you know, who was uh, who was able to access that information, who was speaking to the press. There was reports recently that he was going to maybe possibly do uh, a sweep of people's personal cell phones to see if they had talked to a journalist. Um, obviously, the leak came out of Politico, so if somebody was speaking with this Politico journalist, it seems very likely that they maybe were the person who did the leak. But as of right now, we're still in the investigation period. We're still waiting to hear um, who did it. Now, I think that's a really fascinating question, too, that they said, do the American people have a right to know this? The Supreme Court on uh, most of its issues recently has been working on precedent. It's been working on sort of like this is how we've always done it. Therefore, we're going to continue doing it this way. But there actually is no legal ramification for somebody who leaks the decision uh, from the Supreme Court. There is no law against that. 
what is probably going to happen in the aftermath of this is that will be codified, that you are not able to do that type of leak and there will be legal consequences. However, it is important to note, once this person slash if this person is discovered and their identity is revealed to the public, their, their career in the, in the justice system is over. They are unable to uh, obtain a career because it, it is mind-numbingly sh- mind uh, unprecedented how, how grave of a decision to leak this, this decision uh, early, earlier than it came out was. I mean, this had never happened before in the history of the court. Therefore, it seems very likely that this person uh, no longer has a career in the legal system. Mm. Appreciate that. Um, another comment came in, and I think it's a question comment, and it talks about the administration's seeming tone deafness. Uh, do you mm. see that as well in Washington? I know you come from a more conservative uh, perspective. So what is uh, being said around your water cooler? I, I think that's an interesting point to say that they're tone deaf, because it does seem as if uh, the Biden administration is making decisions that are not super politically wise. They might think that they're the right decision, but they don't seem like they're particularly uh, in tune with what the public needs or wants. So let's go back to that China example, right, where the Chinese uh, received a shipment of oil from the United States in the after, I guess, as we're all dealing with these massive gas prices. If you think politically that it it, it would be a good move to sell oil uh, to an adversary, to a power that we are not on friendly terms with in the middle of a gas crisis. That just doesn't seem like it's in particularly good taste. Let's give you another example, slightly less uh, high stakes, but still sort of weirdly out of touch. Uh, President or Vice, excuse me, First Lady Jill Biden goes to a conference. This is the Latinx Inclusion Conference, all these with X's, uh, and says something along the lines of, you know, Hispanics are a diverse people just like breakfast tacos doesn't come off as particularly, uh, you know, understanding of how there are differences between a lot of these different cultures. It sounds somewhat patronizing. So there's just all these different things that the Biden administration is doing to sort of indicate that they're not really in touch with what the American people believe, that they maybe are in their own little world. And I really do hope, obviously, for the success of the presidency. I don't want uh, the presidency to, to do badly. I want them to do what I'd like them to do, but I also don't want them to suffer because he's my president, and the fact that he's in charge of the nation means that with his his fate, so too goes the country. But it does seem like they need to sort of like steer the ship in a different direction because right now what they're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. Doug Blair is my guest. If you have a question for Doug, he is from the um, DailySignal.com. You can text it over to 877-933-2484. Doug, maybe you would uh, talk about what the World Health Organization came out with recently on gender. Yes. So in the in the world that we live in, gender and sex and all of these things don't seem to be quite as static as we used to expect. When you used to say something like a woman is a woman, that kind of was just given a weird nod and like, yes, of course. Uh, recently, the World Health Organization has come out with a missive that says that sex is not just sort of specific. A woman isn't always a woman and a man always isn't a man, right? So the idea being that gender identity reflects more importantly on what a person is than on their actual sexual characteristics, right? So if a man is born with two uh, or is born with an XY chromosome, that doesn't necessarily make that person a man. Now, the reason why this is such a big deal is because it's very very clearly the WHO and the WHO wandering into political territory when it's already come under fire recently for being too politicized, especially during COVID. 
uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people started to lose trust in the in the World Health Organization is because they were making decisions that didn't seem to be based in medical science. They were making decisions that being that seemed politically motivated. So one of the things that's very scary about this is it's sort of it's getting rid of another institution that is going to be necessary. I think a lot of people recognize that, that COVID was handled very poorly. And if there was to be something that was similar to that, maybe in the future, hopefully not monkeypox, but possibly, there's this other organization now that's been politicized and is losing trust in the global community or the global community is losing trust in it based on the fact that they're making these types of calls that are clearly based on a certain uh, political perspective as opposed to medical science. Mm-hmm. I also am seeing, Doug, that there's a number of uh, people who are being censored by Twitter for questioning gender ideology. And one of them is um, Ali Beth um, uh, Stuckey, who's been on the show. She was uh, being she was criticizing the New Zealand weightlifter Laurel Hubbard, who mm-hmm. is very much a man, uh, but identifies as now a woman but is just cleaning up in the weightlifting department, as you would expect that person to do so. Absolutely. So, yes, we are seeing Twitter sort of flex its, its censorship muscles recently. Um, Allie Beth Stuckey is a great example. I'm glad that you spoke to her about this topic. Uh, but Jordan Peterson is also one of these people who has been banned from the platform or suspended from the platform, basically a ban, uh, along with Dave Rubin. These people have criticized a a number of different uh, transgender individuals, specifically actor Ellen slash Elliot Page. Mm -hmm. Now, Ellen Page, I don't know if you've seen Juno or one of the... I I know who she is. Right, right. So this person, this actor, actress, whatever you want to call them, is is a biological woman who identifies the man, went through the surgeries, uh, and now Twitter is basically banning anybody that says she uh, went through these procedures and she is a woman. So... We're starting to see, again, this is why big tech is sort of coming under fire a lot recently, is because these high-profile conservatives who have certain positions on gender ideology are unable to voice those positions online, except for they will, they will get banned, they will get punished. Um, and it's starting to, to sort of play out in the political sphere where conservatives, and especially Republicans in the Senate and Congress, are starting to draft legislation that might be able to sort of curtail that. Um, Ron DeSantis was also quite prolific in writing pieces of legislation and bills that would protect conservatives online. He signed a bill last year that would allow political candidates who are censored by places like Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter to sue. They would be able to say that you are you know, deplatforming, you're, you are removing my First Amendment rights to uh, spread my message online, and therefore they would be legally, they would be legally on the hook to pay fines in the case of a political candidate getting deplatformed. Yeah, I, I saw some pictures of uh, Ellen Page, now goes by Elliot Page, and I thought, well, he, uh, she, he, whatever the pronoun is that I need to use correctly, looks like a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's the thing that is sort of weird about this, is that many people look at Ellen Page and they say, this doesn't look like a man. And again, I don't want to sort of editorialize right. too much here, but one of the things that's sort of fascinating, too, is that what Twitter is doing right now is, is only allowing one perspective on the site. And regardless of where you lean on the debate, I think most Americans can agree that they want to have a healthy, robust discussion and they want to allow different viewpoints uh, to exist online, yeah. which is why a lot of these Republican lawmakers are making this point. They're starting to say, look, you know, you can have that position. You can have that perspective that Ellen Page is a man, yeah. but you need to allow the other position to be on the site. Yeah.
Doug, I got to end it there. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really great to have you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Bill. You bet. Doug Blair, DailySignal.com. We'll take a break. Mike Novotny is going to join us. He's written a book called What's Big? Start Small. That's next. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Pastor Mike Novotny, he's um, served uh, in full-time ministry since 2007 in Madison, but most recently he's at the core in Appleton, Wisconsin. He also serves as the lead speaker for Time of Grace, which he shares the good news about Jesus through television and all kinds of other platforms. What you probably don't know about Mike is he got straight A's in first grade. Mike, welcome. Did you have you been talking to my mother? Bill? I did. I talked to your mom, yeah. and she was bragging about your first grade report card, <laughs> well, which seemed like a big deal to her. It was the last year when I did well in life, so she, she well, was it, back in the glory days. It, it was nice to have one nice year, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, indeed. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of interviews on this book, but this is the first time we've explored my first grade education, well, so I thank think, you. I think it's important to to, uh, to give the audience a little bit of an understanding of where you come from. So you paid attention way back when, which makes the difference. Because uh, what's big starts small, and first grade was a pretty small place to start. And uh, mm. there again, I'm just uh, having fun with you. But but you've uh, done really a nice job uh, with this book, uh, What's Big Starts Small. And you key in on, on the six threats that Jesus lists in the parable of the sower and the seed, which is pride, pain, worry, wealth, want, not waiting. You got a lot to, a lot to talk about here, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we do. We have four hours to chat, right? Oh, That's no, no. I've got 30 minutes, so. Oh. Yeah, let's get to it. We're going to have to move fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more I, I kind of dug in in this book to uh, the three versions of the story that Jesus tells in the Gospels, so Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And even though I was familiar with it for most of my Christian life, I never kind of realized that Jesus is just laying out this pretty simple, not easy to follow, but easy to understand path for what works when it comes to spiritual growth and the stuff that can get in the way of spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, ever since I kind of dug deep on it, like, oh, I, I see it all over in my life. Like, yes, okay, there's that simple explanation why things are going well, or more likely, <laughs> there's a simple explanation of the threat that's getting in the way of great faith. Yeah, so if we feel spiritually immature or we feel stuck or we just don't know how to navigate right now, we, we might be dealing with some some of these these six things you've discussed. Pride, pain, worry, wealth, want, not waiting. Hmm. Can we can we pick through that uh, carcass, that turkey carcass? <laughs> yes. Yes, we can. All right. Yeah. It, Let's start know, with so pride. Helpful. Let's start um, with the giblets. That'd be pride. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the giblets of pride. Bill Arnold, you are a one-of-a-kind man. Has, has someone told you that? Today? Oh, I'm just odd, Mike. That's all. <laughs> yeah, so Jesus said, you know, some people, they hear the word in his story. Everyone actually hears the word. Mm-hmm. So this isn't for church skippers, but it's people like me, people listen to Christian radio, people who read their Bibles at home or go to church. And he said, you know, sometimes when you hear the word, you have such a reluctance to receive it. Maybe pride kind of anticipates, ooh, this is gonna this is going to mess with me. It's going to change my schedule. It's going to humble me. And so we kind of instinctively harden our hearts 
And in that case, it's like throwing a seed on your on your driveway. You know, the seed has all the potential and power in the world to become something big. But if you throw it on the, the hardest pavement, it's not going to produce anything. And so Jesus has this warning. So, you know, sometimes people don't understand the Bible because they really don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, if the message was, hey, folks, thanks for coming to church today. We're going to tell you what God wants you to do when it comes to the person you really don't like at work. <laughs> <laughs> right? so you, you, you kind of anticipate, oh, yeah, I'm, Jesus is going to want me to be nicer to him. And right. I, can't, I, can't, I can't mock him behind his back and unconditional love and all that. And so we, you know, we anticipate that, whether it's with forgiveness or generosity or stuff in marriage or relationships or respecting the authorities and the government. And so sometimes pride gets in the way of great faith before the seed of the word has the chance to do anything at all. Mm-hmm. And, and the next one would be pain, which I know everybody is feeling this one at some point. Mm, yeah. In Jesus's words, this is what happens when you hear the word and you actually love it at first, but then the people in your life don't love it and they make it very difficult for you to be faithful. Mm. So let's imagine you're a, a teenage girl who comes to Jesus. Like you really didn't know about grace oh my goodness, salvation, eternal life is for free. He did everything. So, you, you know, you're all in to follow Jesus with this great joy. And then maybe you come back home to the guy you're dating and sleeping with. And now he's not such a huge fan of you going to church. Yeah. You know, and so Jesus says troubles or persecution become because of the word. Um, my wife has a story about this where she, you know, tried to stand up to some friends who are making some really unchristian decisions despite claiming to be Christians. And... Th- Instead of applauding and saying, thank you so much for sharing God's word, they, they made it kind of painful for her. And she kind of lost her place in that group of friends. So this is the question. When it gets hard, when the world doesn't love you for following Jesus, do you choose the world or do you choose Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I hear those stories, Mike, I always wonder, do people have um, not only accountability to God, do they have an accountability group, almost like a board of directors that can speak truth into their life? I, mean, I always yeah. remember. Remember the remember the men's warehouse. Remember that those chain of stores. I do. And the guy who founded it, I can't remember his name. Mike, somebody. They the board of directors fired him. I go, <laughs> you fired the founder. How does that work? You know. But oh. you, you, I think you need people that can come into your life and say you're living in sin. Uh, I'm. You've got to stop. And then yeah. I have to yield to to your authority and say mm. you are speaking God's truth, and I'm. I got to listen to my board. Yeah, I love that. I know. And even, you know, as, as Jesus kind of digs in, he's like, to, to survive moments like that, you know, it's like a little seed when the, the sun is super hot in the summer. You need to have a lot of soil beneath the surface. So, you know, thinking of your example, to have friends to remind us how good God is, how worthy he is. <laughs> like, listen, no, no disrespect to your buddies, but if you have to choose between your buddies and Jesus, oh, let, let's not forget how great and forgiving and oh, eternal right. Jesus is. Right. So right. having people not just to speak truth, but to remind you of the, the glory and the bigness of God is just an essential part of the answer to this threat. Yeah, God's holiness, your sinfulness. I mean, you should go uh, re- repent, and hopefully you've got a group of people that come alongside you and say, yes, stop your behavior, stop what mm-hmm. you're doing, stop sinning, and repent. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Two threats down, four to go. Yeah, I know. I like this. You know, I feel like we've we've made some progress, though, haven't we? You and I we, we, in this we interview. Yeah, really we're, we're making it. We're, uh, we're Mike. We're moving the needle. I got to be honest. I, I can't see the producers, but I'm. I just picture them clapping and celebrating and <laughs> dancing in the office right now. Uh, she just did clap. Yeah. 
Yeah. She also went to let in my next guest, so she was gone for a little while. (laughs) So she didn't catch all of it. But, all right, let's go to the next one, Mike Nabotny, which would be worry. That's something everybody's uh, got some issues with as well. Oh, my goodness. This is so relevant. So Jesus actually lumps the next three threats into the same word picture. He said that some of the seeds of God's word kind of spring up in soil, what apparently is good soil, but they just get choked out by the weeds and the thorns that are growing there too. And in his explanation, Jesus says, well, that could be the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, or the desire or the want of other things. So the worries of this life, which is threat number three, is actually the same word he uses when he speaks to Martha. You know, if, if listeners know that story, you know, where Jesus is right there in Martha's home, but she's so worried about preparing the perfect meal and being the perfect hostess that in choosing those things and pursuing her worries and giving into them, she actually misses out on the better thing. And so I think of this as the Christian who actually could be really fruitful and mature. It's just that they're so busy mm-hmm. and they're so worried. Like if I didn't go to that birthday party and this commitment and, oh, the church need, needs volunteers for A, B, and C. And if I don't do all of it, well, they're going to think I'm a bad Christian. And if I if I don't get my kids in every sport, oh, my goodness, they're going to have terrible lives. And they're going <laughs> to, you know, we're, we're so, so worried that we overcommit and we say yes to things. And we're kind of squeezing church or the Bible or prayer into these really small gaps of time. But just like a garden and a seed, it needs a good amount of space in the soil to actually grow and produce fruit. Christianity is kind of like that, too. You know, squeezing church in on Sunday does not a mature Christian make. We need some space to enjoy the gospel and then to put God's word into practice. Yeah, it's like getting one of those uh, apps on your phone for, you know, how to speak Spanish and you do it 30 minutes once a week. You're not going to get very far. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Mm. It's actually a a liberating teaching because Jesus is saying to me, okay, you, you don't have to do everything. Like I I created seeds that actually need a whole bunch of space in the garden and good gardeners don't just pack every square centimeter with more and more and more. So it's okay to say no to things. It's okay not to be amazing at everything. Mm-hmm. Being a good Christian, uh, one interviewer said a couple of days ago, it doesn't mean doing more and more and more Christian stuff. <laughs> you know, pick a couple of things. Right. Be, be great at this. Be great with your family have a great prayer life. And if you have to say no to the 97 other things you could do, that's okay. Jesus isn't mad because good seeds need a good amount of space. Mm-hmm. So do you ever feel like you're not growing in your faith the way you're supposed to? Mike Demotny is my guest, and he's written a book called What's Big Starts Small? Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. So, uh, Mike, now we've come up to another word, which is uh, full of interest in meaning, and that's the word wealth. Mm. Yeah, same concept for Jesus. Yep. He says, not not wealth in itself, he calls it the deceitfulness of wealth. So <laughs> I think of it this way, when, when you don't have much, you often have more time. Um, if uh, when my kids and I drive past a really fancy house and I'm afraid that they're going to be jealous, like we live in this, you know, kind of average middle-class home and they're going to see this big backyard. I always ask my kids the same question. And the question is, kids, how long do you think it takes to vacuum all that? (laughs) And they roll their eyes at me, but I'm trying to, you know, open their eyes like, oh yeah, you know, it looks good, but it probably takes a long time to cut all that grass and weed all those flower beds and vacuum and dust, all that square footage. And sometimes in our pursuit of wealth, which isn't inherently wrong, 
we end up with so much stuff to take care of, so much stuff to juggle, so much stuff to manage. The you know you got to wash the boat and you got to clean up the car and you have to more and more and more and more and more until until one day you're like, how did I get so busy? Where, where did my fr- I, I have no like not even close to a Sabbath day anymore. And Jesus said, it might be the worries of this life or maybe wealth deceived you and in the pursuit of it, you ended up with a really busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Mike, I've never quoted Rudyard Kipling before on my show, but today's the day. And he I was said hoping this. you would. Yeah, no, I figured. <laughs> he said this, Rudyard Kipling said, beware of over-concern for money or position or glory. Someday you will meet a man who cares for none of these things. Then you will know how poor you are. Oh, wow. That's golden right there. I think so, too. Jesus would say amen, yeah. Yeah, amen for sure. For sure. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, lots more with uh, Pastor Mike Novotny. His book is uh, What's Big? Start Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. Right back. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. I'm back with Mike Novotny. And Mike, I called your mom during the break and she said second grade wasn't that great. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to bring that up on the air. I should have told you that off air. (laughs) You know what? Truth hurts, but sometimes you need to hear it. I get it. I I, I, I receive it. I receive your rebuke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Um, Mike Mike Novotny is my guest. He wrote a book called What's Big Start Small. And we're uh, looking at the the six threats Jesus lists in the parable of the sower and the seed. We So far we've talked about pride, pain, worry, wealth. Now I'd like to talk about want and not waiting. Mm. Have at it. Yeah. So really fascinating phrase. Jesus says, sometimes what can clutter and stunt our spiritual growth is, quote, the desire for other things. And I found that really interesting. He doesn't say the desire for sinful things or the desire for really, really bad, evil things. He says, sometimes what messes with your spirituality is just the desire for other things. So I tried to explore. This was the, the it's the most helpful slash most depressing part of the entire book. So just <laughs> be, be warned. You know, I explore things like the news or right. our phones or our sports teams or our shows. Because maybe more than ever, we live in a time with without a ton of caution and intentionality those things take up more of our time than we think. You know, not that long ago, for how many years, when you wanted to check up on the news, you got your newspaper. And you finished the news and you put the paper down and you were done. Right. Yeah, no more. You know, just 24-7 breaking news. Literally, I have a up-to-date newspaper in my pocket that is fresh and new every two seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, before you used to watch your favorite show and then, well, you'd have to wait a week and you'd go on with the rest of your life. Now... (laughs) <laughs> I know people who wait until like season seven is out so they can just binge from start to finish. 
right? So these things aren't wrong. Jesus doesn't hate the Minnesota Twins, and he doesn't hate your favorite news station, I don't think. (laughs) But he does say, you know, maybe you just need to check in and say, how much time am I actually investing into this? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you had to bring up the Twins, didn't you, Mike? Because why did you do that? Because I'm bugged with the relief pitching, and now you're bringing (laughs) – you got me all agitated now. Well (laughs) – well, when you were talking to my mom, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up because she's been very concerned about you and the twins. Uh, yeah, there's this website um, where you can actually type in your favorite show and then you can just pick. It's just one search bar blinking in the middle of the screen mm-hmm. and then you, t- you you insert how many seasons you've watched it and you hit return. Yeah. And it will show you exactly how many seconds, minutes, hours Ooh. and even days you've spent watching Friends or The Office or, Ooh. you know, fill in the blank yeah. show. So it's like, oh, no, I didn't realize it was just, you know, another 20 minute episode. Right. All adds but up. That adds up. Yeah, it, it really does. Yeah. All right. How about waiting? We hate to wait. Let's just be Ooh. honest. We hate waiting. We do. You know, we love a beautiful park with big mature trees and we sometimes forget, oh yeah, those seeds weren't planted last Tuesday. And we love seeing people who have like matured and they're strong in what they do, but they didn't get those skills and they physically didn't mature. I mean, that takes what, 20 years to reach full development. So in calling God's word a seed, Jesus is saying, sometimes you're going to go to church on Sunday and you're not going to feel it and you're not going to see the change. And you might assume, well, I'm doing something wrong. I'm still like struggling with the same stuff. I don't have this great faith just yet. And I love this picture because it's just Jesus saying, hey, like you might be making great choices. If you're making space in your schedule to hear the word, to meditate on it, to pray over it, to put it into practice. Nope. Maybe you don't have a big oak tree faith yet, but maybe the issue is just you need to wait. And the sermon that you heard last Sunday three months from now, is going to have a great application. Oh, yeah, we, we learned about that not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And so this is just a comforting message of saying, yeah, sometimes you think you're messing everything up, and God's in heaven silently saying to us, just wait. Yeah, I know. Just wait. Like the word is like a seed. Mike, I'm reminded of that when I see an oak tree, that the roots of the oak tree have gotten to the point where it's cracked the sidewalk mm. because yes. they've become so big and powerful. And at one point, the sidewalk was nice and smooth, and you'd walk on that sidewalk. And then as the tree grew bigger and the roots bigger, it they grew up in cracked concrete. And you go, that's, yes. sometimes that's what you got to wait for. Yeah, it's hard for us to do, but Jesus is all about the long game. Yep. Uh, maybe in his culture with, you know, a farming society, they would have gotten that more than we do. But we're like a 5G... <laughs> I don't right. even have to swipe my credit card anymore. I just wave it in front of that little machine and boom, everything's done. So yeah. Ooh, th- this, yeah, in a lot of ways, having great faith is more challenging than ever before, but God is faithful and he's a good gardener who's working in our hearts. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk about the good soil of our soul. Yeah. The good soil. Let's get to that. Let's get to the good part. Yeah. So Jesus, it's just amazing. He says, you know, one seed can bring back in good soil 30 or 60 or even a hundred times what was sown. So that's where I took the title of this book. Wow, mm-hmm. that a hundred times. That's a that's a pretty big return on investment. And I love how true that is. You know, uh, I don't have the whole Bible memorized, but sometimes just one little seed of that word has produced something really good and really beautiful in my life. I, I think of how people have a life verse. Um, you know, that next Sunday could be that moment when you hear that one little thing that becomes really big and gives you so much peace and so you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't worry about anything. You know, the Lord is near. 
God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. So, yeah, in the right soil, with the help of God, I love the fact that we don't have to be theologians. We don't have to go to Bible college. That little seed can produce something really, really good, 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Mm -hmm. So in your book, you have chapter 10, which says conclusion. So maybe you can... <laughs> Ooh, I, I tapped into my creative team for that yeah, one. Yes, you did. Maybe you can shed some light on some closing thoughts, even though we've got seven minutes left. Yeah. So amazing thing happened while I was writing this book. Uh, I had given a, a ran, just, you know, random run-of-the-mill sermon on gratitude at our church one Sunday. And I was kind of speaking, you know, if you struggle with the news and negativity and everything is falling apart... When you're lying in bed at night, my challenge during the sermon was try to list from A to Z 26 good things that God gave to you in that day. So if you had an apple for breakfast, there's your A. Uh, if your brother texted you something funny, there's your B. Um, you know, fill in the blanks all the way to Z. Mm -hmm. So after the sermon is done that night, there's this uh, really strong Christian from our church named Mike. I think he's in his 60s. And he emails me and he says, 26 blessings, Pastor. I bet you that I could list 2,600. Wow. <laughs> and I emailed him back, and my email was, I dare you, period. <laughs> and so he, he emailed me back, and he said, he kind of panicked. He said, oh, well, wh when do I have to have this done by? And I just made up a date. I said, how about Easter, a couple months from now? And so what, what does Mike do? He spends the next weeks of his Christian life laser-focused on seeing the goodness and generosity of God. Uh, he opens up an Excel spreadsheet, and he starts going, starting with A, just thinking of you know, favorite hymn verses, pastors and Christian in his life who have blessed him. He's looking around at infrastructure, at air conditioning, at all the foods that he loves. And he starts creating this document and he gives me these updates that the days and then the weeks go by and he's at a hundred and then he's at 200 blessings then 400, 600. He hits a thousand, 1200, 1800, 2000, 2200 until he sends me this epic email. And the subject line was just 10, nine, Eight. <laughs> and there one day, here Mike comes into my office with this white binder. I keep it in my desk until this very day. And inside the binder are 2,600 good things that God had given in his life. And they weren't just listed. They were, with a sentence or two, described 2,600 of them. Wow. And he hands me this thing and he says, Pastor, that, that one night in church where you encouraged us to open our eyes and look for God's goodness, it—, it literally changed my life. And I look up at my computer and I'm studying this story that Jesus told, the parable of the sower. And Jesus says, when the seed of God's word falls on good soil, it can bring back 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Mm. Wow. I, thought, I told this man, give me 26 blessings. And he hands me a white binder filled with 2,600 blessings, <laughs> which if my math is correct, correct is exactly 100 times what was sown. Yeah. That's good so, math. J Jesus isn't just telling stories, you know. He is right. This is truth. He, he is saying <laughs> the next time you open your Bible, the next song you hear on Christian radio, the next sermon you hear in church, man, God is a good farmer and a good sower, and he wants that to bring back something big, just like it did for my friend Mike. Well, he just opened his eyes, didn't he? Opened his heart to the gratitude and the blessings in his life, and it exploded, didn't it? Yeah. Just it's incredible. He said he would he would drive down in his car with a little voice recorder, just like saying, power lines, yes, P. <laughs> what would life be like without sidewalks and power lines and these little yellow dotted lines that keep me in my lane? Yeah. So it was, there's so much goodness 
and it just took that one little one that one little seed from that sermon well, to I mean, create I mean, something big. It sounds playful, but it's also thank goodness for power lines because you get up in the middle of the night and you can turn a light on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I love yeah, that right stuff there. like that. All right, we just have a couple of minutes left. You say in your book that Christians persevere when they focus on the potential crop, not the present cost. Mm. Yes. I, I love in the in describing, you know, the worries and the deceitfulness of wealth and the wanting for other things. <laughs> Jesus described those like thorns. And I, I don't know a ton about gardening, but I do know that weeds just like pop up and it's kind of painful to pull them out. And maybe that's what's keeping people back from some really great faith. It'd be painful to say no to this busy life. And it would be painful to live with less and not pursue all this wealth. That's true. And I think that's why a lot of us get stuck. And Jesus is saying, wow, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, like that stuff will not bring you much joy. But having a, a deep, robust connection with my word, slimming down your life so you can be a great spouse or a great neighbor like these are the things that you will not regret when your story is over. And so as much as I can encourage people who are listening, it, it, you know, we could all make our excuses for what gets in the way. But God is not giving us his word because he wants to take something from us. He wants to produce something even better in us. And so just keeping your eyes fixed on the goodness of God, his desire for a great harvest, I think gets us over the hump of those threats and helps us to realize the full potential of God's Word. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been fun having you on. Thank you for taking time today. Thank you. i got to go talk to my mom. Yeah, definitely um, give her a call. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say hi to her on your Yeah, path. please do, Mike. Do the, do the right thing and greet her for me, okay? Tell her <laughs> Bill will. said hi. Uh, thanks for having me, Bill. You bet, you bet. Mike Novotny has been my guest. His book is What's Big? Start Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. Give it a look. We'll take a break. When we come back, Dr. Glenn Pickering is going to join me. We're going to talk about transformations and what that is. I'm looking forward to that discussion. So uh, don't go anywhere. And if you uh, want to get the Faith Radio app because you haven't done it yet, I want to encourage you to do it today. You can stay connected to Faith Radio no matter where you are. There's people that listen on the app all over the world. So you can listen live or on demand. And you can always uh, keep up with the latest giveaways and promotions. You can download the free Faith Radio app in your app. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.